You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Well, good evening from Granville Island. A beautiful night here. Our first stop as the news hour goes on the road. Over the next three weeks, we'll be visiting communities across Metro Vancouver looking at where we live and how we live. Tonight, we'll be focusing on housing and some of the major challenges, including affordability. Good evening, and thanks very much for joining us, those of you at home and those of you right out, uh, outside our broadcast location here on Granville Island. We're going to get to those stories a little bit later, but we begin with breaking news and some dramatic new video of a police takedown last month. It all began when Vancouver police spotted two suspects in an Abbotsford break and enter. A short chase ended in Burnaby. Take a look at this new video. It shows an unmarked police vehicle ramming the suspect vehicle and then colliding with a parked car. One suspect emerges from the vehicle and after tear gas is fired, surrenders immediately. The other suspect stays inside the car but is dragged out by a police dog. We're very familiar with the suspects that were broadcasted. Uh, luckily, our members were able to locate the suspects in a vehicle uh, over in Burnaby. Uh, that is, based on the information that they were aware of at the time, uh, it was obvious that these people need to be arrested for both public safety and to prevent further crime. A 52-year-old Maple Ridge man has been sentenced to 11 months for break and enter. A 35-year-old Abbotsford man is still before the courts. Well, the search is on for a hit-and-run driver who collided with a motorcycle and left the rider to die on Lougheed Highway last night. Jennifer Palma is live in Maple Ridge with the story now. And Jennifer, the victim was a 48-year-old, a mother of three, and a grandmother. That's right, Chris. It's a tragedy for family and friends today who are trying to come to terms with this tragic loss that happened in the Maple Ridge area, not far from where we are, located here on the Lougheed Highway. Loved ones deliver flowers and a stuffy, placing the items near the area where a mother and grandmother was hit by an oncoming vehicle. You just took a loved one from my life and just step forward and, and do the right thing. Last night, just before 9 p.m., police say a group of motorcyclists were traveling westbound along Lougheed Highway when an eastbound vehicle pulled out from behind a slower-moving vehicle to pass. This happening along the single-lane portion of the Lougheed. The eastbound suspect vehicle hit the first motorcyclist, the 48-year-old woman. She died from her injuries. Two others on another motorcycle also received minor injuries. The suspect vehicle fled. A vehicle of interest was found in the mission area. Uh, the, the vehicle, we, we found the vehicle, however, uh, we're still in the process of determining uh, the involvement of the vehicle in this accident. Uh, the investigation is still in its preliminary stage. This portion of Lougheed Highway at Maple Ridge from 240th to 287th is notorious for speeding. The province has made improvements, adding concrete barriers, but this accident happened along a stretch that hasn't been twinned. Uh, every year we, uh, we have to face fatalities. Uh, just even three weeks ago, we had another one like that, and I had to speak to the mom. Family told Global News the motorcyclist was an experienced rider, a proud mother of three and a grandma. This tragedy has left them broken. I found her, and took her, you took her away from me very fast. You step forward and be a man, and uh, best up to your crime. You didn't need to run. 
The search for the suspect can the search for the suspect continues. Police say there's nobody in custody at this point. As well as their investigation, they're hoping that people will call them to help them along with that. If you saw anything, call Ridge Meadows RCMP. Back to you guys. All right, thanks for that, Jen. Victims of a BC woman who conned hundreds of people out of more than a hundred million dollars are angry and frustrated tonight. Our Ramina Dea is live in downtown Vancouver with a global news exclusive and a surprising development in the case of Rashida Samji. Ramina? Sophie Samji has actually just won the right to an appeal, we have found out. It is scheduled to go ahead next month on October 6th. She wants her six-year jail conviction thrown out. Do you have anything to say to the victims? Please leave me. I've said what I've said in court. So just leave me. They want to hear from you, though. You took millions of dollars from them, and you're just walking out of jail and going home today? You have nothing to say to them? saw anything call Ridge Meadows video is actually from last September when Sam G was found guilty she was released the same day on bail judge Rideout had sentenced her to six years in prison for 14 counts of fraud totaling 16 million dollars but in a separate hearing the BC Securities Commission hit Sam G with a 33 million dollar fine for defrauding at least 200 investors out of $100 million. Now, according to court documents, one of the grounds for appeal is called double jeopardy. Samji is arguing that she cannot be punished twice, once by the Securities Commission and then again by a criminal court. We spoke to a criminal lawyer who's not connected to the case. Here's his take. They're not running this just because, you know, for nothing. They're... They, 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 they believe that they've got an argument. They believe they've got a substantial, substantive argument. I would say that they have a, uh, a hill to climb to persuade the court that it isn't two separate venues. Now, many of the victims, if you remember, lost their life savings, and they're probably not going to see a penny. The Securities Commission telling us today that Samji hasn't made any payments. She declared bankruptcy in 2012. Back to you. Thanks, Ramina. Nearly two weeks into the new school year, and a number of B.C. schools are still scrambling to fill vacant teachers' jobs. And last year's Supreme Court decision restoring class sizes to 2002 levels appears to be causing more problems in Vancouver than it is in the suburbs. Jill Bennett explains why. Elena Hatch enjoys a little downtime with her youngest on the school playground. Her two older sons are in grades two and five, but neither one has a teacher. My grade five is in a class of four or five split, and he has a teacher for Mondays only. Poor sub from my grade two was wandering around saying, asking my husband, where, where's paper? You know, he had no idea. He had no idea where to find anything. The Supreme Court of Canada ruling requiring a return to 2002 class sizes prompted a major push to hire teachers in B.C. The previous government allocated $330 million, and many districts have filled the positions. Just this week, though, the Vancouver School Board posted 72 teaching jobs, and finding people to take them is a challenge. People are wondering, you know, how much am I going to get paid? How easy is it for me to find a place to live? And they soon find out that they're 
paid way less as a starting teacher in British Columbia than anywhere else in the country. You can't find a place to live, and that's really challenging. The need for teachers in every district also means many in Metro Vancouver have opted to take jobs closer to home. There is uh, an outflow of people from Vancouver, um, people going to opposite sides of the Patello Bridge to avoid commutes in the morning, and that's reasonable to expect. Letters are being sent home to parents from the principal at David Livingston Elementary where there are three vacancies and one from General Gordon, both thanking parents for their patience. The superintendent confirms we have filled most of the 280 postings listed in late August. The process is not simple as we continue to compete with other school districts to hire teachers for remaining positions. They're supposed to meet the teachers on Monday and we're all wondering whether we should bother even going because there's no one to meet. Jill Bennett, Global News. 175 families are in limbo tonight, not sure of where they'll be living come the new year. They're tenants of illegal suites in Surrey, caught in the middle of a city crackdown. But even though Surrey is stepping up enforcement, as Nadia Stewart explains tonight, the city has actually been benefiting from these black market rentals for years. It is the affordable rental apartment Jordan and Richard struggled to find, one they're now being evicted from. I thought we'd have at least a year of stress-free, like, okay, let's just focus on raising our son, don't have to worry about the money issue and the, uh, the house issue. The problem? The city of Surrey says the basement suite they call home is illegal. And they mailed us a letter A shock to their landlord, who says she has been paying secondary suite fees for the apartment, hundreds of dollars a year. We were told by the city that it is an illegal suite, but that we need it to register the illegal suite. If you're collecting taxes on it, you know about it, so it's authorized. But the city says even though they pay a fee, the suites were never authorized. What's more, they say parking has become a serious problem in East Clayton, blaming the suites for the additional pressure. So they're cracking down, telling 175 homeowners their tenants have to go. They told us to pay, we're paying. And now we're giving families a home in a really tight rental market. No, I don't think they're listening to us. And I don't understand why they're doing this either. It's unfortunate that we had to take this step. But like I said earlier, we cannot alleviate the pressures and the complaints from the neighborhood. The city says it's tried everything to address the thousands of parking complaints it's received. Adding the laneway homes here are not to blame, just these suites. They say any confusion about the secondary suite fees will be addressed. When enforcement action starts, we'll clarify our steps then to ensure people understand uh, that the fee does not make this illegal. Rahal says any new homes here won't have laneway houses, but that doesn't mean anything for Richard and Jordan, who have to be gone by January 31st. This is his second place he's lived, and he's only five months old. And where his third home will be, well, they just don't know. Nadia Stork, Global News. Another small pay hike today for thousands of B.C. workers. The minimum wage increases by 50 cents an hour to $11.35. That increase, part of a commitment made by the previous Liberal government. Liquor servers will also have a higher wage of $10.10 an hour. The ultimate goal is $15 an hour by 2021, but labor advocates say it should get there sooner. Alberta will be there in the fall of 2018. Ontario will be there in January of 2019. BC is a more expensive province than Alberta or Ontario. Uh, so we think we should be consistent with those two provinces whose economies are similar to ours. 
With the increase, BC now has the third highest minimum wage in the country. A fire last week that burned a Victoria couple out of their temporary home has focused a harsh new light on a growing trend. The lack of affordable housing is forcing more people to turn their RVs into much more than just vacation homes. Aaron MacArthur reports. For hundreds of people in Metro Vancouver, this is what home looks like. An RV parked anywhere there's space. Skyrocketing rents and zero vacancy means living in Vancouver is hard. Rafael Sombrano lives on a fixed income. This is what he can afford. The prices now are so crazy that, uh, you know, it's impossible to own. For some people, these RVs are the only thing standing between them and homelessness. Most would rather not talk about their situation. There's still a stigma attached to living on the street. It's too bloody expensive. The RVs can be a nuisance. They tend to congregate around the few free parking spots left in the region. Business owners are frustrated that there's a makeshift community popping up on their doorstep. They're not super clean. Uh, they're not looking after their space. They're littering. They're leaving all kinds of garbage lying around. The city of Vancouver says it doesn't like to target people who are living in their RVs on the street, but they will ticket people if they're parked illegally. The city also has an outreach team that goes around encouraging people to try to find long-term housing. For so many people, this is long-term housing. That I got a doorbell. William Price has been living in a vehicle for a decade. He started at a 97 Cavalier, then moved to a camper van, and now he's renovating an RV from the ground up. He wouldn't go back to four walls. I can have this view, I can have that view. It's a beautiful life. Like. Some young people are skipping housing altogether, buying a van instead of paying for a mortgage. It's a little bit more economical, allows you to kind of save for the future. It may not be ideal, but it is affordable. And really, not all that much smaller than a typical downtown condo. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. An unexpected and frightening surprise today for residents of a homeless camp in Maple Ridge. That is a black bear that wandered into the camp and ended up in a tree right above the tents after it got spooked. Conservation officers arrived about four hours after the bear was first spotted and used a dart gun to tranquilize it. Okay. We'll get you somewhere safe. Roll them over. Quite a tumble. Conservation officers say the 300-pound bear had to be tranquilized twice. It'll be checked to make sure it hasn't become habituated to human food and contact. And if not, it will be moved to a new location that's safer for it and for people. Well, finally, some good news on the forest fire front. Things have calmed down enough for the government to lift the state of emergency that was declared more than two months ago. It ends at midnight tonight, but there is still a lot of activity out there. Tonight, there are still 153 fires burning across this province. More than 11,700 square kilometers has been torched, and so far, it has cost more than $500 million to fight the fires. Some 65,000 people were forced to leave their homes. More than 3,000 are still under evacuation order. Well, for 16 years, she lived comfortably in her Langley apartment. But something changed recently when new management came in. All of a sudden, her mobility became an issue. And when we asked building management about it, well, that didn't work out so well. Why, she says she's in danger of losing her home in just over a minute. 
Just part of the amazing entertainment down here on Granville Island for the Fringe Festival. Slumber here, paying us a visit to the set of the News Hour, along with a great crowd as well. Thanks to everybody who came down tonight. Coming up, another terror attack in London. What they're learning about an attempted bombing that injured more than 20 people and why it could have been so much worse. And an 11-year-old boy gets his dream job. How he got the gig mowing the White House lawn later on the news hour. But first, a Langley senior who relies on a motorized scooter to get around claims her life has become a nightmare because of the new managers of her building. As John Wall reports, she says after 16 years with no problems, she's now facing possible eviction. Most of Jenny Hansman's life, this motorized scooter has meant her freedom. I have the, everything close. The hairdresser, the shopping... Her independence tied to the push of an elevator button. But now the 70-year-old is being told by building management to give up her only way down or get out. Don't they realize she needs her scooter? Do you think I have it for the fun? After living on the second floor of this Langley apartment for 16 years, Hansman has received a letter from Ocean Park Enterprises stating as of December 1st, electric scooters are banned from the elevator and there are no ground floor suites available at this time. If she disobeys, her tenancy agreement will be terminated. The last few years she's had nothing but grief, and now the ultimate is to get kicked out of here. It's just not right. The letter points to recent incidents where the elevator has broken down or Hansman has gotten stuck inside. Family says the problem is a lift, not always level to the ground. There was issues with the elevator before, but they were always resolved by the manager. Now it's like she's the problem. Using her wheelchair, also not an option, as Hansman only has the strength to go short distances. It'd be so hard for me to leave. <laughs> Global News was first told by on-site staff to wait for the owner's contact information. Don't touch the camera, please. Don't That's point it in my face. Don't point it in my face. Then building manager Dan Shepard told us to leave. We did contact Ocean Park Enterprises, but received no response. Does this mean that only uh, able-bodied or, or non-physically disabled people are going to be able to live in this building? Hansman's family is seeking legal representation. For now, her only options are to stop using the elevator. I'd have to stay in this apartment and live like a hermit. Or face being homeless in less than three months. John Hua, Global News. New ferries that need to be fixed. Coming up, a couple of design flaws in the newest ships that make the crossings a lot less comfortable. And a global exclusive. David Foster delivers a major concert announcement 30 years in the making. Welcome back to Granville Island, part of our Where We Live series. BC Ferry's newest ships have only been in service for a few months, but it's already off to a rocky start. The Salish-class vessels have been plagued by a number of problems. Most notably, the galleys can get dangerously hot. Much too hot for a crew to safely work in. Nitu Garcha has the story. On the upper car decks and passenger decks, you can't escape a cool breeze. But inside some of BC Ferry's newest vessels, employees have been working in conditions their union describes as dangerously hot. The temperatures were hot enough that it, it did impact employees' ability to work. The problem spot? Kitchens. Sources tell us it got up to 51 degrees with the Humidex, leaving some staff, the union says, at risk of serious injury. It's things like heat stress uh, and exhaustion 
more mistakes get made when things are hot. Complaints piled up, so a plan was rolled out over the summer. The deep fryers, grills, toasters, things like that all get shut down. Then the food service becomes cold food service items or or lower temperature items only. Then the crews get rotated through the kitchen as well. BC Ferry says the heat problems are isolated to the galley and they boil down to an issue with the HVAC system not providing enough airflow. There was a mistake made here. The shipyard is living up to it and they're working with us at their cost to rectify the issues. But that's expected to take a few months. We don't want to impact our customers. Our final fix on this will probably be taking a ship out of service for a day or two to do the work. The new built-in Poland Salish class vessels have only been in service for a few months and overheated kitchens are one of several problems, including slow-moving doors. Issues BC Ferries chalks down to being just a part of the process of putting new vessels on the water. And the company expects nothing but smooth sailing in the future. Nitu Garcha, Global News. He's a 16-time Grammy Award winner, and for the past 30 years, his foundation has been helping families with children in need. Music producer David Foster has helped more than 1,000 families through major organ transplants. And in 2006, the foundation became a national organization expanding to help families across Canada. And Foster is planning a major concert fundraiser in Vancouver in October. And David Foster joins us from Los Angeles to talk about the star-studded 30th anniversary gala coming up in Vancouver. David, thanks for joining us. We'll talk about the gala in just a moment, but first, bring us back 30 years. How did the foundation begin? You know, I started out 30 years ago, um, a young girl that I met, and it just inspired me to, uh, to get this going. And um, here we are 30 years later, and we're, we like to say we're from coast to coast to coast, from the Pacific to the Atlantic to the Arctic. And uh, if you're a family that has a child that needs an organ transplant, we are going to help you. Uh, can you give us the, the details, the, the big reveal as to who's going to be there? Well, I can give you some details, but there's more details to come. We have this year a future star named Matteo Bocelli, none other than the son of Andrea Bocelli, and he is phenomenal. We have the tenors, of course, right there from Canada. We have Jay Leno, which is amazing. He's going to add a nice little uh, comedic touch to the evening. We have Robin Thicke. We're going to be, uh, make, uh, do a small tribute, uh, small but important tribute to Robin's uh, father, Alan, who was at my very first fundraiser in 1986. Uh, so he was in, a, a dear friend. So Robin is going to sing and do a tribute to his father. Uh, and we have Steven Tyler from Aerosmith who's going to pound it out. And we have a big female guest, too, but I'm not going to announce it yet. Well, that's great. It sounds like an amazing lineup. Uh, David, we really want to thank you for your time today. Uh, wish you good luck in the planning for the 30th anniversary gala and look forward to what's going to be an awesome party. Thanks again. And one last thing. I just want to let everybody know that also there's a few tickets going on sale for The Bowl to watch just the show. And also, my friends, I have friends coming. Oprah's coming. Dr. Phil's coming. Goldie Hawn's coming. Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. Uh, Bo Derek, Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf, Jim Treleving. It's going to be a blowout as it deserves to be and needs to be for Vancouver. David, thank you so much for putting on the gala and for all the work the foundation has done over the past 30 years. And great to talk to you today. Thanks so very much. You're invited. Don't worry. I, I'm, sure we're, I'm sure we're all invited. As David <laughs> well. mentioned, the gala is sponsored by Park Vancouver. We'll be giving away some tickets and some special passes to the concert 
Watch next week for more on that. I feel like I'm photobombing this show. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. We're, we're short on chairs. Apparently, That's yeah. Okay. You can share my chairs. That's okay. I'm good. I'm, 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 no, lap. because I'm tethered to this. I can't even move. So. You know, there are a lot of people standing around us, and we're very thankful for the uh, for the support down here. They're all down here to enjoy the Fringe Festival, too. It's uh, mm-hmm. really an amazing showcase of some of the theatrical and performance talent that exists in yeah. the Lower Mainland and around the world, too. And, and it was a beautiful day here on Granville Island, Christy. A little crisp right now, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's not too bad. You know, we're a week away from fall, and I would say yeah. you wouldn't know it if it weren't for sort of the Christmas in the morning, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you will by the end of the weekend, everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll feel that way, will yeah. it? And what are you working on? Well, uh, the Canucks are going to go to China, but we already knew that, but mm-hmm. they, announced their, uh, they announced their lineup. It's all the veterans, as yep. you'd expect. They're going to take people that people might know. Over China. All right. All right. For more on that. Talk to you guys in a bit. Coming up. Find a chair. Terror attack in London. Public will see more armed police on the uh, transport network and on our streets. The search for whoever planted this bomb and why it could have been so much worse. And how this 11-year-old got his chance to live out a dream mowing a very special lawn. The terror threat level in London has been raised to critical, the highest possible rating, meaning an attack is expected imminently. The heightened concern following an explosion this morning on a packed train in London, an IED injuring at least 29 people. Tonight, a massive manhunt is on for the person who sent a wall of fire and panic through the London subway. And multiple senior law enforcement officials briefed on the investigation say a suspect has now been identified. The fireball just engulfed the whole tube carriage, like the whole carriage was orange, just like coming towards us. It happened at 8.20 in the morning in a quiet suburb west of the city. The train packed with commuters and children on their way to school. There were a lot of people who had had burns around their face and the upper parts of their body. Afterward, the device sitting in the subway car by the train doors still in flames. Authorities quickly calling it a terror attack. Homes near the tracks evacuated. Ian Walworth saw the SWAT team from his balcony. And then, and then I heard a big loud bang at the door and we were told to evacuate. It was quite serious and we had to leave. Did you smell anything? I did, yes. I smelled there was a chemical burning. And it could have been worse. The homemade bomb did not fully explode, which could help authorities track down suspects. Though the attack was relatively ineffective, it is part of a series of quickening attacks in London that not only worries officials in uh, London and the UK, but also in Europe uh, and in the United States. It's now the fifth time this year Britain has been a target for terror including the suicide bombing at an Ariana Grande concert in Manchester and a car attack and stabbing at the iconic parliament. Tonight, the prime minister defiant. The threat of terrorism that we face is severe, but together, by working together, we will defeat them. At the U.S. Capitol, the experience of a lifetime today for an ambitious young entrepreneur. 11-year-old Frank Giaccio from Virginia working hard today mowing the White House lawn. Frank runs his own lawn care business, and while he usually charges $8, he offered his services to the White House for free, and they took him up on it. To the amusement of some onlookers, Frank was so involved in his work, at first he didn't even stop when the president himself approached. He eventually did stop and accepted Donald Trump's thanks. 
In Health Matters tonight, couples who have struggled planning their family often turn to in vitro fertilization or surrogacy for help. But here in Canada, egg and sperm donors, along with surrogates, cannot be paid. Now doctors and experts are asking whether that should change. Here's Linda Aylesworth. Come here, Rach. Good boy. Like so many Canadians, Joanne Matteo and her husband wanted a family. But their attempts were fraught with disappointment. We kind of took our time, and then when we started, we were having a lot of difficulties. For me, I couldn't hang on to the babies or the pregnancy. I would miscarry. Her physician suggested an egg donor, but finding one in Canada proved difficult. The reason? Some blamed the Assisted Human Reproduction Act which makes paying for egg donations, sperm donations, or a surrogate a criminal offense. The punishment, a $500,000 fine or up to 10 years in prison. So essentially what we've done with this law is unfortunately made it very difficult for couples to find surrogates and we've driven the, uh, the sperm donor and egg donor industry out of Canada and to the U.S., where many states allow for the payment of such services. Tens of thousands of dollars for surrogates, hundreds for sperm donations. As for eggs... And the average uh, egg donor in the United States is compensated anywhere between five and 8000 <laughs> At the annual meeting of the Canadian Fertility and Andrology Society in Vancouver, many members would like to see payment for egg, sperm and surrogacy legalized. What we're looking for as a society is to have... Uh, a reasonable level of compensation. Uh, these individuals go through medical procedures and uh, do deserve some level of compensation. And at least one member of parliament agrees. It's caused enormous disruption in people's lives, forced people to go to the United States to do things they should be able to do in Canada, and I believe the criminal elements of that law need to be repealed. Come. Joanne was lucky. After traveling to the U.S. seven years ago and finding a volunteer egg donor, she gave birth to healthy twin boys. While she didn't have to pay her donor, she thinks others should have the right. People will do anything to have children, and they will pay for it, and if that's the road they want to take, uh, they should have that opportunity. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Payback for a sacrifice made during the war. It's emotional, just holding it. An old soldier reunited with a priceless memento he once had to give up for food. And as we go to break, a look at another one of the unique performances you can catch at the Fringe Festival. Right here at Granville Island until September 17th. This is Slumber Here. I have come to offer A reunion more than 70 years in the making in Summerland today. After 73 years, it's back. A bracelet with World War II veteran Charles Bernhard's name and regimental number engraved was finally returned to its rightful owner. A sweetheart in London gave it to him back in 1944, but he was forced to trade it for food while fighting to liberate the Netherlands the following year. He traded it for eggs at the family farm of Bernadina Smith. She kept the bracelet all these years, even after immigrating to the U.S. after the war. With the help of the Internet and a historian, Smith's grandson finally tracked Bernhardt down. The family traveled from Oregon to return it in person. 83-year-old Bernardino watched the reunion happen on Skype. Holding it makes you feel my knees are shaking. <laughs> well, about time. 
73 years is a long time, but I did feel like he should have that. Good job, Bernadina. They didn't have to travel too far. Just down in Oregon. That's right. And they stuck with it. So Mm -hmm. glad they did. All right. What a beautiful evening we are having down here on Granville Island. It's been wonderful all day, but the summer-like weather is ending right on time, according to the calendar. Right, Christy? Yeah, I would say so. That's definitely uh, uh, true, Chris. You know, we're a week away from fall, and we're going to talk about the changes in store for us this weekend. It is going to be a drastic change for a lot of us. I just wanted to quickly mention, this is what happens when your camera crew sets up your shot without you being here. They start making me do things like this. I'm now selling fish. I'm helping the longliner seafood Selfish. This is what is this here? Salmon? It's a spring salmon. Spring salmon. So a nice, beautiful spring salmon that you can get fresh here at Granville Island, along with a lot of handcrafted uh, gifts and uh, unique uh, uh, little gifts if you want, and also a lot of fresh produce. All right. So yes, the change that we are talking about is set for the latter part of the weekend, though. Here's a look at, I just wanted to show you our current temperatures out there. It was warm across the region today. Chilliwack actually hit 27. They're now at 22, but you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful day near the water and at Granville Island here. We actually hit 22 degrees, but it drops off quite quickly now that the sun is setting earlier. By by the way, that's at about 7.30 typically. Moving on and looking at the uh, um, fire danger rating, a couple key things that I wanted to point out, and that is that Vancouver Island, parts of the southern interior are still at an extreme level. As we head into the weekend, make sure you're careful. We're not expecting a drastic change for that real fire danger rating until this next system on Sunday pushes in. And it's going to take a while for that to really make a difference in terms of that moisture lower down. So keep that in mind for the fires out there. We still have a number of them in store for us. Now, for the South Coast, we will see the change on Sunday later in the day. It means cool, wet weather. Here's a look at your tomorrow, though. Make sure you use it. It could be the last day like this that we see in a while. So uh, 20 degrees, for example, in Quesnel, uh, 18 in Fort St. John. Down through the south, we're looking at low 20s as well. Keep in mind, you'll see more cloud cover over the next uh, 24 hours. We certainly saw some cloud roll in just even in the evening today. But it will be warm. It will be dry for your Saturday. It is Sunday that we'll see the change. So for the south coast, that means a drop in temperature. We'll see the chance of showers in the morning on Sunday with periods of rain by the afternoon hours. And we will see a massive drop in temperature. So on Monday, we could see highs of only 14 degrees. Quick happy birthday to Tony Pennell. Happy birthday to you and uh, Chris and Sophie. Is this the right size for you? We're having dinner after this, right? Will that work? (laughs) I'm pretty hungry. We're going to bring the whole crew with that, the size of that spring. Yeah, exactly. And we have shellfish, too, we'll bring along. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, looking forward to it. Squire joins us now. Yes. You got a chair. I got a chair. Well, because Christy went somewhere else, so I got her chair. (laughs) She's making dinner. People must love this show because these people behind you are staring at your backs like for a whole hour. (laughs) Hello. Hi, everyone. There's more over here. I know. Hello, folks. They're Thanks everywhere. for coming down, and you too. Hey, who wants to play hockey in China? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We want to get the players to, to the Great Wall. The Canucks are taking most of their well-known guys for a couple of X Games in Shanghai and Beijing next week. 
Also coming up a little later, don't forget, on Friday, it's satellite debris. All right, getting close to uh, the big road trip for the Canucks. I know. China. I remember years ago in the 90s, they started the regular season in Japan. I think that's when they first had Mark Messier. And it all went downhill from there <laughs> after Messier showed up. But, you know, there are, there are probably Canuck fans for like 17 who have known nothing but the Sedins. That's right. So that's the question. How long have the Sedins been playing? Well, so long that head coach Travis Green played against the Sedins for the first seven years of their career. So he knows lots about them. And he knows that even though they are two-thirds of line number one for the Canucks, ice time has to be carefully monitored. You don't want to be burning them out, especially when you have playoff aspirations. Personally, I'm hoping that they play a higher pace of game this year with the, the way we want to play, and that's going to help them. Um, it's going to help them not defend as much, hopefully, and which is going to give them more energy. But I'm also going to ask to, to give a lot of energy in other areas of the game. So we'll just kind of play it as it goes and see how they react to 17, 18, 19. You know, if they hit 20-some nights, they're obviously having a real good game, and maybe someone else isn't or there's an injury. But uh, you know, I don't foresee anyone playing up in the 20-minute mark. All right, so the Canucks are heading off to China, as we said, two games against the L.A. Kings, and the lineup is going to be very NHL. The Sedins will be there. Bo Horvat, Chris Tanev, Ben Hutton, Alex Edler, Sven Berici, Marcus Granlin, Thomas Vanek, and the two top goalies, Markstrom and Nilsson. They'll play next Thursday in Shanghai and then Saturday in Beijing. From Travis Green to Travis Lule. It's all about <laughs> Travis. He, of course, wrecked his knee last Friday. And Wally Buono said that night he wanted Lule to travel with the team for the rest of the season, be around them as much as possible to help the other quarterbacks, almost like an assistant coach. Now, Lule and John Jennings are buddies. Jennings leans on Lule for strategy and breaking down a game. So when they play in Calgary tomorrow, Lule is going to be on the sidelines to help. Jennings is number one now, without question. Alex Ross is the backup. And for Lule, helping out the quarterbacks that are healthy helps him get healthy as well. I want to. I want to be here for for John and Alex and and the quarterback room. Um, it helps me, man. You know, you heal mind, body, and soul, and it helps me uh, mentally heal up and, and be around and be involved. And I think, uh, you know, I think that it's appreciated by the guys that I that I go to work with. All right, second round of the BMW Championship, 70 players, FedEx Cup playoffs. Jason Day is going to get a hole-in-one. He changed caddies. His longtime caddy was switched out. He'll remain his coach. He put his buddy on the bag, and things are working out pretty well. He's at minus 13. Ricky Fowler, he got an eagle on the 15th. It's a short par four, also at 13 under par. Mark Leishman having a very good tournament, 64 today. So he now leads at uh, 16 under par. Adam Hadwin, even par 71. He's even for the tournament, 16 shots off the lead, but regardless of his finish, he should be able to qualify for the final event, the Tour Championship, which has the top 30 guys. All right, Davis Cup is in Edmonton. No Voshek, Pospisil, or Milos Ronich in singles. Both are hurt. Uh, Voshek will play doubles tomorrow with Nestor. Uh, Canada lost its first match to India. Braden Schnur losing in four sets. Denis Shapovalov is playing in the second match. He is the main guy for Canada at this tie against India. Mm, there coming, you go. Coming off a good run, oh, Shapovalov. Huge at the U.S. Open. All right, thanks, go. Square. It's Friday, so Squire's work is not over yet, of course. Okay.
You've got satellite debris. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll hang in. I'll hang in. Yeah, don't go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up on ET Canada, why everyone is talking about Beyonce's triumphant return to the spotlight, plus the Property Brothers on their rocky road to success, and why Jennifer Garner's crying video is making headlines. All that and more is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. <laughs> oh, see, Ross doesn't really have a seat either. No, I that's understand. right. You grew. Yes. The that's how we roll here. In, uh, in memoriam to the Cassini spacecraft, who is, which is plummeting onto the surface of Saturn, let's all think of that for satellite debris Satellite today. debris. Satellite debris. <laughs> so space. Go compare insurance. I think they had this campaign in England where this guy who was kind of like a Pavarotti dude would jump in and sing, and people were apparently annoyed by it. So here's a couple of commercials that deal with that. Here we go. <laughs> Guys, hi. I've got a minute for me. Right, I've got a new song for our customers. I call it Committed to You. We're committed to saving you money. I'm dedicated to saving you time. It's got chills. Nailed it, man. Is it him? I mean, we're not a double act or anything. That doesn't even work, look. It's not even a proper piano, it's tiny. Hello. <laughs> okay, I take the hint. The singing was annoying. So, I found a new way to tell people how much money they could save on their car insurance. And there he is. Um, wow. In an ideal world, he'll be knocking out the theme tune. Oh, he can play. Well, he can't play yet. Ah. I've just got him. But I think if I put the bits of sausage on the right notes, we could be in business. <laughs> Poor dog is so embarrassed. Ah. <laughs> okay, so let's do more dog commercials. This time, uh, selling Volkswagens. Here we go. All right. Well, he's not very handsome to look at. <sighs> Oh, he's shaggy and he eats like a hog. The Volkswagen Jetta, available with advanced keyless technology. Control everything from your pocket, purse, or wherever. That's the power of German engineering. That dirty old egg sucking dog. Dogs. <laughs> hey, wait, you're the new owner of a VW GTI, oh, aren't that's you? That's true. It's all coming together for me now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can no see offense. it right in the background over there. What? 
Granville Island Brewery. Yeah. Is that where we're going, going next? Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, when in 